It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Welcome back to the Sideline Podcast with Coach Steve. And, of course, I'm Coach Steve. Today I have my first ever uh, guest. I'm popping the cherry. We're ripping the Band-Aid off. We're getting ready to go. I have Coach uh, Bennett. Uh, Coach Bennett, if you want to introduce yourself to the five or ten people I have listening to this. Sure. Uh, I'm Coach Bennett, Matthew Bennett. I'm the uh, co-offensive coordinator and offensive line coach at Clinton High School in Clinton, South Carolina. Uh, this will be my 12th year, 12th year coaching this coming season. Um, started at the middle school level, worked my way up, done a little bit of everything uh, as far as different age groups. Uh, met Coach Steve on another podcast with Coach Shepherd, the armchair coaching podcast. So y'all check us both out on that. And uh, follow me on Twitter, Coach Bennett32, always down to coach, talk football. Uh, Glad to be here, Coach. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on here, uh, guys listening. Um, 
if you're listening on Spotify or Anchor, subscribe to it. If you're on YouTube, listen in. Uh, like button, subscribe, so get this going. I know only five of you listen, but that's five more than I thought would happen, so we're on the right track. Um, it's going to be a nice, easy interview for Coach here as I get this going. So I'm always curious how people get into coaching because I've played sports with guys and they're like, how do you coach? Like, how is that fun? It's so many hours. You got to deal with kids every day so they can never do it. So I'm always curious, how did you get into coaching? Was it playing sports as a kid? Was there somebody out there that said, you know, I want to be like him and get into coaching? They're having a lot of fun or how did you get into it? Uh, actually, the way it worked out was really interesting. Uh, you know, growing up, you know, I I played all the big three at one time or another, baseball, basketball, football. I'm, I'm about 5'10", 5'11". I've been this tall since I was in seventh grade. So basketball was like the first thing I played because I was taller than everybody. And then uh, played some baseball, wasn't really good at that. But then, uh, you know, played football. And in middle school, went to Ewing Middle School here in, well, in Gaffney, South Carolina, where I'm from. And uh, the head football coach there, Rick Phillips, he's been the head coach there for, at this point, probably 30 years. Um, and we had weightlifting in the seventh and eighth grade. In the seventh grade, you had it for nine weeks. And in the eighth grade, you had it for the whole year uh, if you had PE. And, you know, he always made it a big deal. Like, if you got PE in the eighth grade, it's because he handpicked you. Mm -hmm. And uh, he taught us how to lift weights. And I really enjoyed that, you know. Uh, and when I graduated high school, uh, Coach Phillips asked me what I was doing over the summer. And uh, I didn't really have any plans. I didn't know what I wanted to do. My parents own their own business. My dad meets mom. Neither one of them have a college education. They do very well for themselves. They make way more money than I do. But <laughs> like, they didn't, I didn't have a lot of guidance on the college route. Uh, but they did instill a lot of good morals in me, which I appreciate them for. So I started out at the local community college, just trying to get my bearings and uh, kind of decide what I wanted to do. Well, Coach Phillips asked me if I would come back and help in the weight room, just showing the kids how to do the lifts, because I used to be pretty good in the weight room, despite how fat and out of shape I am now. And um, Coach Phillips has had some shoulder problems. He's had complete replacement on one side and then a couple surgeries on the other. So he couldn't show the kids how to do everything, you know, without possibly hurting himself. So he asked me to come back and do that. Well, I did that, came back the first day of summer workouts for Ewing Middle School. And then he said, what's doing tomorrow? I said, nothing. He said, why don't you come back tomorrow? So I came back the next day and the next day and the next day. And at the end of the summer, we were all just sitting in his office talking like we did every day. And uh, he was like, Bennett, what size shirt do you wear? And I told him, he said, uh, I was like 2X at the time, an eternity ago. And uh, he was like, what do you think about coaching offensive line? And I was like, I'm not going anywhere. My, house, my mom and dad's house, not very far from Ewing. So that's how it started. And, uh, that first year, man, I, I thought at 18 years old, I had the whole game figured out because mm -hmm. we had some, we had some kids on that middle school team that ended up, one of them ended up going to play at Marshall. One of them ended up going to be a basketball player at Georgetown. A couple of linemen ended up being all region players in high school and we had some studs. And I was like, man, this is easy. You just, mm -hmm. 
it's a sweep out there to your running back, and he's better than everybody. <laughs> you know, it was and a great learning experience, and, and Coach Phillips taught me a whole lot and gave me a lot of room, a lot of, a lot of rope to make my own mistakes, and, you know, I learned a lot, learned on my feet, you know. There's, there's a whole lot of difference in playing and coaching. Uh, playing, to me, was always, coach says do this, you got to do that, and I didn't put a lot of thought into it, but when you're having to coach kids and you're I turned 19, my birthday's in September, so I turned 19 the first year I was coaching. So I'm 19 catching 13 or 14 year old. You know, I had to put a lot of thought into it. And uh, it, it was a great experience for me. And I stayed there for five years. My first five years coaching was at UN Middle School for Coach Phillips, and, and I loved it. Great building blocks, you know, and experience. Experience that guys that just get hired straight on to the varsity level straight out of high school or straight out of college, man, you miss a lot of good stuff by not coaching them young kids. And I've been reminded of that this week going down to Clinton Middle School helping our middle school coaches out. Because there's been a couple times I'm just like, man, I don't I don't know how I did this for five years. Because you tell <laughs> a senior you tell a senior something once, maybe twice, and uh, they'll figure it out or they'll get gone. Then middle school kids, man, it's like herd of cats. Right, right. Uh, I went right to high school. I was 18, 19 years old, started coaching high school. I was 18, 19, coaching 16-year-olds, and that was completely different. So I got burned. These kids talking back, and you're 19 years old. Like, man, if you were just a little bit older, you and I would go figure this out. But uh, <laughs> So it sounds like coaching middle school helped with your high school. So what did you take from middle school and now turn it to the high school kids. Is there anything you took from that? Or like you said, is it easier for high school? Because you could say, you got to figure it out or you're fired. You know, you're not going to start. Uh, I think what coaching middle school taught me more than anything was take nothing for granted. Uh, I mean, some of those kids, uh, like the first time I ever put a helmet and shoulder pads on, I was in seventh grade. I didn't play little league. I was playing basketball and baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember having to learn how to do all that. You know, they don't know how to get in the stands. Teach them how mm-hmm. to get in the stands. They don't. They don't know what snap count is. They don't know what a preset position is. So when they when they get to high school and they're in the ninth grade, you'd like to think they know that. But if it's a kid that didn't play in middle school, he shows up in the ninth grade, or he played somewhere else, and you know, they're not in your program and you know, you don't know for sure they've gotten taught that, then it, it gave me the, the ability to be able to go back and teach that real basic day one. All right, this is this is where we want our feet. This is, you know, this is what we do with our all pan that's not on the ground for we're three point stances. Um, you know, and it, the biggest thing it taught, it teaches you is patience. Mm-hmm. Because if it takes a long time for for middle schoolers to create a habit, especially if it's something they're not doing all the time. And uh, patience is a virtue. Once you learn, once you can kind of see improvement a little bit at a time, you don't rush it. And that's something everybody struggles with now. You know, the instant gratification, everybody's so used to. I mean, I was sitting here anxious because it took my computer 10 minutes to update, but... <laughs> Like that's because that's just the world we live in. Like everybody's used to having it right now. I mean, 
but teaching middle school, that's not, that's real life there, but they, uh, it takes them a little while. And it helped, it helps, definitely helped me coach at the high school level. Yeah, I was one of those kids. I didn't play until ninth grade. So, you know, when I, I know being a 14 year old, 15 year old, I mean, I don't know what a helmet is. I don't know what shoulder pads are. You know, you don't have to put that on. Uh, so is this the first high school you coached at or have you coached at different high schools before where you're at now? Um, so I did five years at Ewing Middle School and I was uh, really fortunate. Um, to, I was able to help out some at the high school too, Gaffney High School, uh, very illustrious program down here and that's where I'm from. Uh, I was able to a couple of different times, like when our season was over, go help them out. But mainly it was in the spring because middle school spring football is like you go out, you run the 40s, stuff like that. And it takes like three days. Mm -hmm. But the high school, you know, just like back in the day, it's still two weeks of practice. And, and I would go up and learn and, uh, and being able to learn from those guys while I was at Ewing, you know, kind of double dipping a little bit. Uh, learning from the high school and coaching at the middle school. And then I left there because I was a, <laughs> I was an extended college student. Uh, I changed majors a whole bunch. I ended up uh, finishing my bachelor's in 2016, spring of 2016 is when I graduated. And I graduated high school in 2009 because uh, I went from the community college to USC Upstate, which is a South Carolina affiliate in Spartanburg. And I ended up with a degree in history. But my last two years at Upstate, I left Ewing Middle School and went to Boiling Springs High School, uh, which is a, another pretty good 5A football program. Uh, 5A is our largest classification in South Carolina. Um, really good 5A program uh, in the Upstate, not far from where I'm from. And uh, got to work with some great coaches. I still talk to a lot of those guys. Uh, Rick Tate was our head coach. Uh, I'll always appreciate Coach Tate for, for giving me my first shot at the high school level. And I did the ninth grade offensive line there and was an assistant with the varsity OL. Uh, coach Joel Golf, really good offensive line coach. Uh, kind of worked under him. Uh, our offense, Travis is uh, not only one of the best people you'd ever want to be around, uh, but he's also a great offensive mind. You and him get along great. He's big time, spread it out, chuck it around. <laughs> I mean, I texted him one day recently, a few months ago, I guess. And I was like, do you realize in the two years we were together at Bowling Springs, we averaged 36 points a game. I said, that's pretty good. And he said, and he always the pessimist that, that Coach Miller is. He said, yeah, and remember, we got shut out that one game against Gaffney in the second year. And I was like, yeah, he said, imagine what it would be if we hadn't done that. And I was like, yeah, that's that's a good way to put a damper on it, I guess. But he's a he's an offensive genius, great guy, great man, uh, strong Christian faith, great family, love Coach Miller. Learned a ton of football from Travis Miller. He's now the head coach at Wade Hampton here. He's in a Greenville, South Carolina. Love that guy to death. So I was there for two years. Uh, I left them and took a job at Westwood High School, my first teaching job, uh, Westwood High School, which is in Northeast Columbia, Blackwood area, uh, which is the state capital here in South Carolina. It's in the middle of the state, the Midlands. The Midlands. Uh, 
it's always 50 degrees hotter in the middle of South Carolina than it is anywhere else in the, in the world. <laughs> I worked for a uh, head coach, Dustin Curtis. It was Dustin's first year as a head coach. Uh, I was his varsity offensive line coach in his first year. And, and we, we took that program and they've had some success. They graduated a ton. Uh, like I had one returning starter on the offensive line. He ended up being a Shrine Bowler. Uh, Ryan Hiller, great player, great kid. Um, and we had some struggles. I mean, we had a – there was a running back named Rudy Mitchell, one of the most talented kids I've ever seen. And he was a legitimate as – a, as a junior, I want to say, he had 1,900 yards, something like that, rushing as a junior. I mean, absolute stud. And uh, second or third drive of the first game of the year, he gets the Bo Jackson muscle tearing away from the hip injury. Oh. And uh, he's out for the year. So that's the majority of our offense. And we end up struggling, not having a good year. But we were competitive. Uh, and uh, our kids worked hard and, and really bought into Coach Curtis's culture. He ended up getting that thing rolling pretty well. But the offensive coordinator, who's now one of my best friends, Matt Quinn, me and Matt went down there together. He had hired Matt, and then him and Matt hired me. And after one year, Matt took a head job in North Carolina at Union Pines. So I lost my buddy. I was living in Columbia, which I hated. I loved working at Westwood, but I hated living in Columbia. Um, and I got a call from another one of my friends named Ken Dockle who is one of the best offensive line coaches uh, in the state of South Carolina, one of the best offensive coaches, period, uh, especially for contrarian stuff, double wings, flip back beer, flex bone. And uh, he called me and said his head coach, which is Jet Turner, who's a, a legend down here, double wing guy, is uh, taking a 5A job at Woodmont High School. And these two OL guys, Doppel wanted me to come up and be the other one. They ended up having a social studies job, and I left. So since uh, Quinn left and then I left, Coach Curtis had to revamp the offensive staff. They ended up having a really good year the next year. When you, the foundation was laid, they, they, we were getting that thing turned around. We were having a great spring. I didn't leave in the middle of spring. It was already known. I didn't. Mm -hmm. I don't want to make it sound like I left in the middle of spring. It was a uh, right, like I left Curtis holding it or anything. But uh, so I go to Woodmont with Coach Jet Turner, and we end up we get there. It's one of the more struggling five A programs in the state. And the first year we went two and nine. We made the playoffs at two and eight because our two wins were region games. Uh, we get beat in the first round, and then the second year, because it all, I mean, the, that culture for that program changed from year one to year two. It was like night and day. Um, in year two, we finished second place in our region and hosted the home playoff game for the first time in over a decade. Um, and that was really fun, but we did it. We did it with some great kids. Um, had a great strength coach in Joey Hawkins. Uh, he kind of formed that culture in the weight room, and we took it to the field. And 
you know, it was very, those very high character. And that's another thing about Coach Turner. I learned as much as I've learned, as much as I learned from Travis Miller at Boyle Springs, who's an air raid, chuck it around guy. I learned that much football as well from Jet Turner, who's a double wing, foot to foot, superpower, you know, trap fly sweep guy. But they both, when I thought about it, both of their philosophies boiled down to two main things for offense and football in general. One, run a few plays from a bunch of formations. Mm-hmm. And two, trust you got to have kids you trust. You got to have high character kids. You can go two and nine with anybody, but if you want to win, you got to have high character kids. And our second year at Woodmont, we were not as athletic as we were year one. We did not have as many track kids and, you know, kids that could jump out the gym on the basketball court. We had a good core group of kids that led the rest of that team. And uh, we were able to turn that thing around and had a good year. And then in the off season of the second year at Woodmont, I was at my apartment with my girlfriend in Greenville and uh, Coach Caldwell, offensive line coach at Clemson, called me. I said, "I said, all right, baby, hold on. I got got the champs on the phone. I got to see what's going on." I answered the phone, and Coach Caldwell said, "Hey, what you doing?" I said, "I'm sitting over here at the apartment." He said, "Well, how are things at Woodmont?" I said, "Well, it's going well, going well." He said, "What you think about Clinton High School?" Well, at this time, the only thing I know about Clinton is football town it's a it's a it it's a 3a high school 850 kids but main street shuts down the lights in town go out and the brightest thing going is friday nights the is the lights in the stadium just old school football town Mm -hmm. and uh i said well i don't know very much about it other than they you know they love their football over there he said well uh he said new guy just got hired Name's Coach Corey Fountain, my boss. He said he said he needs an O-line guy. Uh, he said and I told him, well, I got a guy for you, but let me call him because I got that thing rolling at Woodmont right now. And I said, yeah. I said, yeah. Tell him to call me. So Coach Fountain called me, and we ended up meeting up, and 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 I just I believe wholeheartedly in, in what he's what he's doing and and what he's bringing to the table. Very similar to. You know, Coach Tate, Travis Miller, and, and uh, Jet Turner, very similar to them. And, you know, we want high effort. We want good kids and want to run the football. Uh, and it was, it just, it felt like a really great situation. And I, I was able to, you know, get that co-offensive coordinator deal to go beside my name because that's something you got to have if you want to be a head coach and that's something I aspire to do mm-hmm. and uh, I was able to come here to, to Clinton and, and man it feels it feels like home this will be year two here um, we got we, we got a great thing going uh, first year we went uh, we went four and seven, lost in the first round of playoffs. That was an improvement from the first year, and we improved in, in almost every statistical category from the year before. Um, and our kids have bought into the bought into the working side of the culture, and and we we 
seen a huge change in a year, both off the field, on the field. And uh, I think we're setting up for some special things here. And uh, that's how I got to where I am. That was a long way to, to break it down, but that's how I got here. No, uh, my story's even longer. We're not going to get into that because it's my fifth high school. We won't get into that. Um, but it's amazing what you can do with kids who are bought in. If they're not the athletic, but if they're bought in and they're going to run, if you say hit your head against the wall and they do it, good things happen. I've seen it a couple places here, so I've learned a lot from doing similar things. So I was getting ready to say, what's being a co-offensive coordinator like? Because I've always been the O-line guy. I've been offensive coordinator. I've been the O-line guy. And being the O-line guy, you're always kind of second. Like, oh, hey, what's these run plays? The high school I'm at now, we, I didn't even get started. I had two weeks with the kids because of COVID, and now we're going to the spring. I'm the run game coordinator now. So my job's going to be, I'm going to tell them what run plays they need to run. I'm not going to call the play, but I'm going to let him know, hey, this is there, this is there, this RPO is there. Because we're going to run something like um, Auburn that we were talking about the other night. It's similar. Yeah. Um, so what's a co-offensive coordinator like? Is it the same thing? Like, hey, I'm going to watch this, you watch this. You well, know, it's, who makes the play calls? Our situation is very different. Uh, now, you got to understand the co-coordinator thing. Clemson made that real popular, and we're in the same state as Clemson, so there's a there's co-coordinators sprinkled on both sides of the ball all over this state. We got co-defense right. coordinators, co-offense coordinators all over the place. Um, the, the other co-coordinator is Louis Alexander. He's our athletic director, and he coaches our running backs. Well, me and Coach A, Coach A is the maybe a year or two younger, roughly the same age as Jet Turner, who I work for, and Travis Miller, who I work for at Bowling Springs. And all those dudes know each other, have known each other for years. Coach A actually ran the double wing because he's been a head coach, athletic director, and head, head football coach slash athletic, ah, athletic director most of his career. And uh, in some of his successes he's had, he did it running the double wing, which he got from Coach Turner. So me and Coach A kind of speak in a secret language that because the double wing, everybody's, you know, it's, it's, you, you go to a coach's clinic, you got to find like the darkest corner and the like the oldest coaches. It, you know, <laughs> it's it's a very secret deal. Like if you can if you can talk double wing, you can you can find yourself into a real almost like cult like. Uh, meeting if you're not careful right so me and him kind of speak in that secret language that you know we can we kind of look at the game the same now he sits up top on friday night because as an offensive line coach i can't do it mm -hmm. I, I gotta be down on the field especially last year year one i was starting i think last year i had four kids who hadn't started a varsity game on the offensive line had one kid back who was a really good player for us, Jacob Hall, with Erskine College down here to play. Um, I mean, I had to be on the field. Mm -hmm. And so we've also got Coach Fountain, who has won state championships as an offensive coordinator and as a head coach. So we've, we've kind of got a, a good little system going of, you know, if anybody ever, if there's ever air in the conversation, if any, if any of us are ever quiet, somebody can interject and make a call and we can go with it. 
But like last year, Coach A called ninety percent of the plays because it was like trying to put out, you know, the offensive line. You know, I needed all hands on deck for that. But we game plan together, and if I don't like something, we'll scrap it. If he don't like something, we'll scrap it. Uh, unless Coach Fountain likes it, if he likes it, we'll keep it because. <laughs> He's the boss, but it's been a it's been good for Coach Fountain too, because Coach Fountain he he can coach both sides of the ball. He coached on defense for years, so he can kind of bounce back and forth and have a a little bit of hand in both sides. He doesn't have to worry about the offense as much because he knows that me and, and Coach A can kind of hash it out. But that's how it works. It's really more so in the game planning than the actual calling of the plays. Because, I mean, there's been, you know, we've all been there. There's times where you call something that it's not going to be there, but nobody says anything. Right. Um, we can kind of bounce it off each other a little bit. Uh, shoot, last year, it's like I, I told him, I said, man, last year you bailed us out because I couldn't have done, I couldn't have done <laughs> anything last year. No, but game, we all we all game plan together and, and kind of set the script for the week. We're going to add anything or bang anything, take it out. That's how it works. You just got to be kind of be in step with each other. Now, he, he does a lot more with the passing game than I do. I've just recently gotten to where I can get over there with him a little bit more because of all this COVID stuff. Uh, so I'm usually with the, with the big guys. It's where I like to be anyway. Right, yeah. Uh, this coach talked to me back in March to bring me on to do the run game coordinator. And then COVID happened. They weren't hiring anybody, so you had to wait. And then finally, about June or July, they said, okay, we're going to hire him as football, try to get him in the building. Uh, but they had a bonus freeze on hiring in the building, but I can do football, so it's not too far from where I'm at anyway. But I talked to the offense coordinator. Just He told me to run place he wants. I'm going to install it, but so we're going to block it, and that's how it is. Um, so I was just wondering how a co I think they just gave me the title to feel good about myself. Like, hey, you're the run game coordinator because you've been an OC. We're going to bring you on. But Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Uh, I just didn't know how that worked. Um, switching gears, I don't know if this has happened with you. For me, coaches contact me to come to coach with them, and I listen. They say, I need an O-line guy. I need an O-line guy, or I need a true offensive line guy. Is there a shortage of offensive line coaches? Do people just not want to coach the big boys anymore? Or what is it? Because I, I thought about that the other day. This is a question I just thought of. I was like, why do they always say, I need an O-line guy? It's never, I need a quarterback's coach. I never need this. Do they just want to coach the big boys anymore? You know, I think a lot of that is, is one, so many guys are strength guys now that they're strength guys for the entire athletic department that is kind of tough for them to coach football. And a lot of those guys are your former linemen. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you so you got that then you got the seven on seven culture that's ruining the game in the country and nobody wants to everybody thinks that's cool but there's they don't call it football till you put linemen on the field mm-hmm. like i don't understand i just i saw that on twitter recently there's a, a shortage of ol coaches now uh, the first time I'd ever heard that is when I was at Westwood, and when I when I told Coach Curtis I was going to Woodmont, uh, he was like, "That gum, it's hard to find an O line guy, man." And I was like, "Really?" I was thinking to myself, I was like, "I, th- I thought it'd be pretty easy, but when you're an o- when you're an offensive line guy and you talk to a bunch of offensive line guys, it seems like you're there's nothing but offensive line guy." Yeah. But it takes so much, and I'm not disparaging. Because, like, I, I, I got a lot of good buddies that are quarterback guys. And, man, it takes a lot to coach quarterbacks. And I've gotten to know uh, some really good running back coaches. Um, coach Curtis I work for is a great running backs guy. Coach Alexander is a great running backs guy. And – but offensive line coaches and receiver coaches, you got more guys on the field if you're a spread team. You got more guys on the field than any other position – and more things to watch and everybody knows the it don't matter it don't matter who the coordinator is who the head coach is who the running backs coach is if it's third and 17 and you get sacked because they sent six or they sent seven first thing that gets yelled out in the stands o-line's got to block somebody yep so it's it's a thankless job but you gotta to be an o-line guy and you know this because you're one I mean, you got to kind of embrace that a little bit. You got to have a, you got to have a little uh, fire to you when it comes to stuff like that. And, and if you don't, man, that's a tough job. It's a yeah. tough, tough job. I've been lucky. I got a couple guys that played for me that are starting to get towards the end of their college careers, and I'm hoping they never. I hope they never waver. I hope they stay with the O line. But I'm, I feel like some of them will, which will be good because we need more. We need more in this state. I mean, I get. I get those DMs too every every off season. Every off season, get a DM or a text, get a couple. Hey man, what you think about moving to here? What you think about this place? Um, I mean, I had one of our uh, teams in our region had some turnover. So hey man, what are you certified in? And I was like, I was like, I'm certified in social studies at Clinton High School. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I never thought of that because uh, when I first got into coaching, I, I went back to my high school to coach, and he said, what do you want to do? And I said, O-line, D-line. That's what I play. That's what I know. That's all I cared about. Then when I started to keep going, I've coached every position at one point now. Uh, I've coached quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. One time I didn't have to coach anything. I was OC. We had a coach for every spot. I didn't have to do anything. I'd bounce around. Then when I came up to Chicagoland, I couldn't believe how, like, I need an O-line guy. I need an O-line guy place I'm at now, the head coach never coached O-line. He had to do it last year. And so he's the head coach, and he goes, I need an actual O-line guy. I had to do it. I never did it before. So I just kind of – I was just curious because I was like – I thought about it. I was like, wow, nobody likes the big boys. It's the best spot. We hit every play. We're the only position that hits somebody every single play. Uh, so my next question, which you answered on the other podcast we've been on, um, I'm curious how each state's handling this COVID. Illinois, you know, we moved – they essentially made four different seasons, fall, winter, spring, summer. They took our fall sports and split them in half. 
So like volleyball, football, and uh, soccer got moved to February. We have February 15th as our first football practice. So to me, it's fall one, fall two. So I didn't know how in South Carolina it's been going with COVID. Um, it sounds like you guys are going to try to play in the fall. Um, what's been the protocols? I'm sure it's all universal, but how has that been changing the landscape of high school sports? We, fortunately for us, um, our first game is one month. We're recording this on August 25th. It is one month from today, September 25th. Uh, is the first game. Our first day of practice is September the 8th. Um, the phrase that kept getting used in our state and it become like a running joke was we said our high school league just kept kicking the can down the road mm-hmm. instead, of, instead of making some decisions. But we were allowed to get our athletes back in the building June 8th in phase one, groups of nine, uh, strength training condition. Well, now we're in phase 1.5. We don't want to call it two, so we call it 1.5. Uh, so now we're in groups of six, 15 plus a coach, 16. Um, and we can do a few things we couldn't do in phase one. Uh, we can basically throw routes on air mm-hmm. from an offensive standpoint. We can do run mesh. But right now, the way we've got the group split up, which is I was in there helping Coach Fountain do the group, so I kind of had a hand in this. I've got our 15 best linemen first thing in the morning. They lift, we go out on the field, and we run plays on air, and it has been great for us. Now, they – they, have, they don't have the backs behind them, but, you know, the way I think, it don't matter whether the back's behind you or not. Right. You execute, you execute your job. And uh, we've been able to get a ton of reps that way, mental reps, uh, you know, meetings, doing board work, things like that, because we got a big team room. We're lucky. We can kind of spread out in there and have enough room for all of them. Uh, but the restrictions, man, I mean, you know, we're, we got a little pump-up sprayer. We're cleaning that weight room after each group gets done, disinfecting everything. We're wearing masks, which I hate. But it's like I tell like I tell everybody, nobody hates coaching in a mask more, more than my fat butt out there in the South Carolina heat. But I'll do it if it means we get to play. Well, at this point, September the 8th is creeping up on us. So if they were going to make any changes, at this point, they'd have a mutiny on their hands if they tried to do it because we're so close. And with the new CDC stuff that's coming out every day, which seems to me like you're up there in Illinois, I mean, like the Big Ten and the Pac-12, they might end up wearing some egg on their face if the CDC keeps listening up on regulations because they're finding out new things that this thing isn't as bad for kids at that age group. Right, yeah, um, I know. In Illinois, not to talk bad about them, but what happens is our, our governing bodies, the IHSA, they said they make a decision. Well, then they have to work with the governor's office and Department of Health. They suck their nose in and change a lot of the IHSA's decisions. People started to sue. So the IHSA said, we don't have the money to, for this. So the state make a decision. So it, it just turned into this thing. But, so they came out with the rules. But then the district, school districts can come up with their own thing. 
So at the school district I was at, they didn't approve anything until the two weeks I was with the kids, and that was it. But you had schools where the moment the state said you were good to go with groups of 10, then I moved to groups of 50, as long as they were six feet apart from each other, you had schools out there the next day. And then some school districts just didn't want to do it. So that's Illinois, not a problem, but like the districts have the final say. So now it's all confusing of, do the districts just do their own thing? Does the state make the decision? I don't think well, anybody that, knows. Our high school league, um, our high school, the South Carolina High School League, SCHSL, they, uh, they were asked by some districts to have a statewide mandate to shut down all workouts. Some bigger school districts that were uh, worried about letting their kids work out. Well, one of the cool, th one of the good things, in my opinion, that our high school league did was they took that appeal from that big school district and said, "Your kids don't have to." And they made it. They've made it clear in this state: if your district doesn't feel like it's safe to play, don't play. But little school districts like the one I'm in. We'll go as long as as long as we feel like it's safe. We'll play. Uh, we won't let you know another school district's decision affect us on that. Uh, we we shut our workouts. We started on June eighth. That was the first day we could start back. We shut our workouts down for a couple of weeks because our case numbers increased in our county. Mm -hmm. But then the numbers started going back down, and we've been back at it for a month now, and numbers have continually gone down. Uh, it's other parts of the state that have been that lucky. My thing with South Carolina is. You know, we're in between North Carolina and Georgia. And a lot of times people say, well, we need to, you know, look at what North Carolina's doing. Well, I don't care what North Carolina does. They got Charlotte. We don't have Charlotte. Mm -hmm. uh, what about Georgia? Well, first off, Georgia's been full go just about the whole time. They've had a couple counties back here recently, but Georgia's been full tilt. And yep. uh, last time I checked, we don't have Atlanta <laughs> sitting in the middle of our state. We don't, we don't have the big metropolis. Uh, I made the joke to a friend of mine when Oklahoma, Oklahoma's been going the whole time. And I said, you know, the only difference between us and Oklahoma is we got a couple beaches and a couple hills. That's it. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause we don't have the big major metropolis or anything like that. Greenville's growing. Columbia's the state capital, but our biggest problem areas have been Columbia. Cause it's a, it's a, this state capital is a big city. You know, it's densely populated. Uh, Greenville's had a lot of cases, which is a growing city in South Carolina in the upstate. And then obviously down at the coast, because that's where everybody goes to vacation. It's not just us. It's not the people that live there. You know, it's not just them. Yep. They, people from everywhere go to Myrtle Beach and go to Charleston. Uh, so yeah, our, people our numbers spiked a little bit during the summer, you think? <laughs> I mean, well, uh, I'm from central Illinois originally. I grew up 20 minutes from University of Illinois. I've only lived in the suburbs for two and a half years. And when Illinois' cases went up, it was all Chicago because we have O'Hare Airport, you know, it's the most densely populated. Well now, well, it's Cook County. So people, Cook County is Chicago, that's the city. I'm in a suburb that's an hour away. So when they say Cook County, like, that's not us, you know, we're different. Well, people kept blaming the suburbs for Illinois' problems. Well now, I visited my parents one day, or like one weekend. Nobody down there is wearing a mask, nothing. Now all of a sudden, Central Illinois and Southern Illinois are the ones that are going up. We're, we're going down. 
So now it's central Illinois and southern Illinois that's ruining it a little bit. It's not Chicago anymore, it's, or the suburbs. We're actually going down. So like, there's more restrictions in southern Illinois than Chicago. So it's really weird how this is going down. Uh, but hopefully we can play uh, February 15th as the start date. We might be in the snow here in Illinois, but we'll find out. We will find out. Our first game could be March 5th, and we only get seven games. They turned it down to seven games. Because uh, Illinois, there's no, there's no district. Because in Illinois, we have conferences. We don't do districts or anything. It's all conference. Um, so there's some conferences only have seven teams. So we've had a couple of conferences combined to play their seven games. Um, but the IJSA said they're not going to do any of the scheduling. It's all on the schools, and they're going to stay out of it, and all this and that. So it's all, I don't know, every day I get something different. Um, but moving on, I've kept you a while. I'm going to go to this question. It might take a while. We're going to short it down. Why the wing tee? The other day, guys, on the, the other podcast, we were off air. <laughs> now, I got to defend myself a little bit. I grew up, our offense, uh, I guess you call it the flex bone. But the way I describe it to people, if you picture the Maryland eye, if you could picture the Maryland eye formation, wide yeah. receiver to the right, tight end on the left side, the guys in the backfield. Take your H-back, the one right, see the quarterback, fullback, H-back, tailback. Take the H-back, move them over a little bit. That was our base formation. We ran power without pulling a guard because we had the guys to do it. We ran midline option, speed option. We ran the ball 85, 90% of the time. That's what I grew up in. That's what I coached. Then I start branching out. The spread is like that, you know, forbidden fruit to take a bite of. And I kind of like the spread. Now, I'm not going to throw it 80 times a game. I'm going to spread you out to run it, and I'll take the pass if you give it to me. So that's me. So why the wing tee? They, these guys were talking about, I'm sitting here going, I know the language. I know the wing tee. So why the wing tee? If I'm hiring you as the OC, why the wing tee? Well, or, or flex phone. for us at, at Clinton, we're, we're pistol wing tee. And, you know, our base formation is quarterback, B-back, two wings two receivers, just, just the old Paul Johnson spread formation just backed up. Mm -hmm. um, but, see, that's that's the thing. and It, it kind of gets lost in all the trash talking that we do, and it's it's <laughs> real easy if you're the only spread guy to really catch hell for it. Um, but, in my opinion, you need to be able to – what just happened? My screen just jumped. Am I still on? Yeah, you're still here. I don't know. It's probably yelling know. at us. It's yelling at us or something. Who knows? Yeah. In my opinion, regardless of what kind of offense you want to run, you better be able to run something that fits your kids. Mm -hmm. And here at Clinton High School, we have, every time you turn around, another running back. And a bunch of good ones. We would be foolish to say, all right, let's put three receivers to one side, one to the other, take two of our better players off the field, and leave just one running back in. Now, when I was at Bowling Springs, worked for Coach Miller, he was our offense coordinator. We were we were spread, no huddle, 
he called it basketball on grass. It was the first time I'd ever heard that term. And we wanted to snap the football within five seconds of it being down, within five seconds of the ref blowing it in. We wanted to snap the football within five seconds, and, and we wanted to go, 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 go. And that tempo, fast pace, spread it, throw it around, that works if you got the kids. And we had the kids. Um, we didn't have a ton of running backs. We had a couple really serviceable kids at running back. But, man, we had wide receivers, and, and we had athletic linemen that could, could do the, you know, the fight the big-on-big Bob protections and, and hold their own. And they could also get off the ball and double-team people, and we ran the ball pretty efficiently, too. Um, I can safely say one of the reasons I – kind of got into contrarian offenses. And don't get me wrong. I mean, it, it depends on where you're at. But I can tell you definitively when we were at Woodmont, if we had tried to get in two by two and three by one in the gun and run mesh and run stick and run Y cross and all those great plays, we, w- we wouldn't even went two and nine the first year. We'd been worse than that. And it's not because Coach Turner don't know it. Because he knows he knows a lot about every offensive system, but what he's really good at is the double wing, and it, it's an equalizer. We beat we beat some teams when we were at Woodmont that any high school coach that had vision in both eyes would have taken their kids over ours, and we did it because of what we did. We shortened the game, huddled, uh, you know, snapped the ball under ten seconds left on the play clock and grinded it out. Beat one team, really good, really athletic football team. Beat them, ran quarterback wedge 19 times in that game. Now, it might look, it's, it, it's a boring film to watch. You don't know what you're watching, but you know what you're watching. It's a, it's a beautiful piece of art. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I talk a lot of trash to quote-unquote spread guys, but the reality of it is, man, I just love offense. Mm-hmm. I love offense. I've got in, in my head when I sit down and, you know, if I, if I got a head coaching job tomorrow, I would have two or three different ideas of what we need to run, whatever kind of offense fits the kids. And because I've worked at some different places and coached for some really good coaches, I know enough that if we're not very athletic, got a bunch of tough physical kids, I can put them foot to foot, and we can run the double wing. We can toss superpower and run trap and fly sweet and belly and run the, you know, the sprint out game off of it. And if I'm at a school, if I show up at a school and we got athletes for days and a quarterback with a cannon born arm, we're getting two by two and three by one. I promise you I'm going to get an 11 personnel some, and we're going to run the football. But I'm not going to beat my head against this brick wall if we're playing a team and we can't. We can't piss a drop. We can't get a first down running the football. I got no problem with, with throwing it around. I mean, the the first year I was at Bourne Springs, we had the starting quarterback in the Shrine Bowl. He could he could throw it. He could throw it a country mile and understood the offense. So I mean, we uh we threw it a lot. The next year we had a really good quarterback uh, came to us from another high school. He was a tough gritty, 
really, really physical runner, and he could throw the quick game, and he could throw the intermediate game, and if it was a play action pass, he could beat you over the top. But we used him as a runner as much as we did a, a passer. And we were just as good, if not better, the next year on offense because Coach Miller adapted his system to fit his personnel. That's what I think, and, and what gets me going is all these guys, all these gurus on Twitter, which you'll never hear me refer to myself as that. I think if you do, kind of a douche. But all these gurus that, oh, I'm an, I'm an air raid guy. Even the other side, oh, I'm a, I'm a flex bone guy. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you're a flex bone guy and you ain't got a B-back, that's a hammer, you're probably not going to be very successful. Maybe you should look into doing something else. Uh, we didn't run the double wing the first year at Woodmont because Coach Turner knows that offense better than anybody. Has. He said, we ain't got double wing wingbacks. Mm-hmm. And he was right. We didn't have wingbacks that would fit up in there on superpower. They'd try to bounce it, and we'd lose three yards. So if you're going to be a, if you're going to be a good offensive coach, much less a great offensive coach, I think you can't get bogged down in one system and say, this is what I'm going to do. This is how it's going to be, unless you're at the collegiate level. If you're at the collegiate level, then, yeah, base your job off of whatever offense you want to run, and you go out there and get them kids. But for me, I'm going to get the kids at Clinton High School. We're going to get the kids that grow up in this town, go to these three elementary schools, funnel into one middle school, and funnel into us. So we have to have our offense adaptable to where we can change what we do. And right now, we, we have that. And just like, I mean, those two years at Woodmont, brother, we ran flex bone, split back beer, double wing, all in one season. But because they kind of marry up a little bit, it wasn't super difficult. Right. But those are three completely different things to prepare for. And by the end of the year, we were, you know, we were double wing, but we could jump in a split back formation and not, you know, it wasn't too much hair off our back. I love that answer because uh, I, I just stir the pot a little bit. I don't go on there and talk trash. I just stir the pot with people because I love offenses. Uh, I'll watch Army on TV. I love watching it. I'll watch Mike Leach's air raid. I'll watch Gus Mountain's, you know, or Gus's uh, spread. I'm just always curious. I don't like when I see people say this offense is stupid or you don't know what you're talking about. It's like, guys, it's football. It's offense. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if a coach calls me tomorrow and says we're putting a buck sweep, I'm calling a wing T guy saying, how can I block? But Wing T coach says, well, we got some guys throw the ball around. You better call a spread guy to figure out what their progression reads are and passes because we're going to start doing it. We just need to help each other out. So I love that answer. I was just – I was like, you guys were talking about the other night. I had to sit here and be like, I haven't ran that in years. I've always been around a spread team. Uh, So I just had to ask it. You know, it's just like I told you the other night. uh, And it's it's the truth. I took – every offseason, I picked – one thing I know very little to nothing about, and I dive into it. Well, with the extended offseason due to COVID, I was able to – my buddy coaches out in Texas and got me some Texas at slot T, got me some slot T film. Man, you talk about a rabbit hole you can just fall into. Um, so I studied some slot T stuff, but a part of my offseason, I went and got – I watched uh, – Six or seven games have broke down of Mike Leach at Washington State. Um, and 
like the flexbone guys, a lot of them won't say this. They have Mike Leach is a genius. Like mm -hmm. he does more. And when I talked to Kyle Richardson of Clemson, who's an offensive genius and an air raid guy, he'll tell you, like I asked him, I said, man, what do you think about uh, mesh? Do you, do you, did you run it a lot? Did you not run a lot? And they didn't run a lot when he was the head coach at Northwestern high school here in South Carolina, which he was very successful. That's how he got to Clemson. Um, he said, man, he said, honestly, he said, we didn't run it a lot. He said, and not many air raid guys run it a lot, but Coach Leach runs the piss out of it. Mm -hmm. And I probably got a whole yellow legal pad notebook full of just stuff I saw from Coach Leach on film. And you could probably fill up three of those notebooks, just different tags he's got on mesh. Because over the years, he's seen everything that can be. That's just like watching. I, I, I equate him to Paul Johnson all the time. They've seen everything you can do to their offense. So they've got a counterpunch. There's going to be some years they just not got the players. Mm -hmm. But when they've, when they've got the players, there's no, there's very few people you want a game plan for less than Paul Johnson or Mike Leach. They're two different sides of the same coin. And that's what people don't understand. And that's, that's why, I mean, I love this game, man. There's so many different ways you can do it. Yeah, people don't realize that. The wing tee and the veer and all that. When we ran in high school, it's okay. We're running twelve option. We call it you know midline whatever. If they're stopping it, well now you gotta do this. Mike Leach is the same way. They're stopping this. Well I'm gonna do this. Like if yeah. he's running, if he's running stick all the time, and they're coming up, well, I'm gonna run corner now and just blast you in the corner there. Or I'm gonna run six. They don't realize it's what if, you know. And that's where they got it from him and how Mummy watched the wing tee stuff and they said, well what if we do this? What if we do this? So I don't think people realize it. Um, all right, Coach, I took a lot of your time. Any final thoughts for this episode before we get off of here? Oh, man, I just appreciate you having me. And any, anytime you want to talk ball, just uh, let me know and we'll do it. And uh, I guess I'll see you here in a little while. You're doing the Armchair Podcast with us again tonight, right? Yeah, guys, go check out Coach Sheffer's um, Armchair Podcast. He's on the same things I am, Anchor, Spotify, and on YouTube. Uh, Coach has been on every episode. I've been on two. Uh, so go check that out. We're going to be doing that later tonight. Whenever I get this published, it'll be tonight. Um, but coach, I really appreciate, appreciate you being on my first guest. We ripped the bandaid off. So guys, thanks for listening. I'll see you on the next one. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.